Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Today, my, the title of my sermon is called Fighting from Above. In the Old Testament, oftentimes we see holy wars take place where nation would come against nation and they would fight for days, months, sometimes years for God-ordained land. And the purpose of this was for God's kingdom to be furthered. For the, for the people of Israel to push forward and take the land that God had purposed for them. And although there might not be that type of war going on today, there is a war going on that's been going on for the, since the beginning of the ages. And it's a spiritual war. And it's a very war that sometimes we can lack, sometimes we ignore. But it's prevalent and we need to engage. And that's a spiritual war. And the question is, how are you engaging today? You see, I'm going from Exodus 17, verse 8 to 15. And in this passage, we see the Israelites and the Amalekites. And the Amalekites are attacking the Israelites. And from a surface level view... We think this is just another war that's going on in the Old Testament. Just two, just two tribes that don't like each other. Just two nations that want the other one gone. But really, if you look deeper into the passage, you'll see that these two tribes are actually related to each other. Because they come from the lineages of Jacob and Esau. Esau is the Amalekite tribe. And Jacob is, fr- is the tribe of Israel. And the reason for them not liking each other is because of, gener- of decades back, generations back, when Esau stole Jacob's blessing. And from that time, there is a continual clash There's a continual dislike and anger between the two. Because the blessing was inherited for Jacob. But it was given to Esau. So, today, the simple question again is, how do we engage in spiritual war properly? I think this passage shows this clearly. So I'm going to start at verse 8, and I'm going to read to verse eight, fifteen. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. 
As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, because, because, he said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. You see, the first thing we need to do in order to get, engage in spiritual warfare properly is we need to have kingdom vision. We need to see what is taking place and know what, has, what is going before us and what is behind us. Moses, knowing the history of Israel, what is ordained for Israel, and where Israel is currently, knows that he need, what he needs to do in order for Israel to walk in the purpose that they have been called to. And being gifted in intercession, he sees the first opportunity. He knows that he must empower Joshua to be the next leader of Israel. So he, asks, he tells Joshua to go out and to pick his army. You see here, he doesn't tell Joshua, here's your army, go fight. He says, Joshua, go out and choose a few men to fight. He's giving them opportunity to lead, to make decisions, to walk in what God is asking him to walk in. So Joshua gathers an army and goes to war. And as, jo as Joshua goes to war, we see the leadership of Moses. Moses doesn't hold, stand, wait back, and say, have, have fun, go to war, and I'll be waiting for you guys to come back. Or I'm going to flee for my life. No, Moses goes out onto the mountaintop. He goes out onto the mountaintop, and he prays. And you see, when he's on the mountaintop, He's overviewing the valley. He's looking over the valley so he can see the full situation. Where Israel is lined up, where the Amalekites are lined up, who is winning, who is losing. And then that gives them the opportunity to pray. It gives them the opportunity to pray for the situation and the circumstance because he's getting the whole vision. He's getting full clarity of what is taking place. In order in our own lives for us to have kingdom vision, we need to know the circumstances. We need to know what is going on in our lives and better yet, what's going on in other people's lives. 
to fully engage. Because when we know what is going on in our lives and other people's lives, we know what we need to pray for and fight with. When it comes to depression and restlessness, we need to go back to Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Sorry, I just said that backwards. The jo- we need to pray for the joy of the Lord in depression. Be joyful in hope, faithful in affliction, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. When it comes to anxiety and restlessness, we should pray that the peace of Christ would reign in our hearts. That we would be not in our own understanding, but in all our ways, we would acknowledge him, and he would make our path straight. Philippians 4, 7. For every situation and circumstance we come across in our lives, God's word gives a response. In this passage, Moses already has perspective of what the Israelites are dealing with, what their current circumstance is, but with knowing that, he knows there's another step. He must do the work. You see, as Joshua is fighting the physical battle, Moses is up on the mountain. He's fighting the spiritual battle. He's up on the mountain with his arms raised, with the staff of God in one hand, looking up to the heavens, praying. He's praying that God would have favor on his chosen nation. And there's two parts of this. So we have the physical and we have the spiritual. We have Joshua, we have Moses. And they both reflect Christ. See, we have Joshua. He's the warrior. He's the captain of salvation for Israel. He he shows us He shows us Christ who came to earth and fought for us who showed us the way out of sin, who fights for us daily. Then there's Moses, who's fighting the spiritual battle. And with that, Moses is, the, is Christ in heaven, interceding on our behalf that our faith may not fail. Because he has walked with us and he knows what we deal with. And he's created a way out for us. And now he is in heaven interceding that we may have faith to endure. To walk through the battle, to push through the battle, to fight. With our eyes on heaven. To walk into the promised land. And although that war may rain, may wage for a long time. We know that we will come out of it victorious as long as we do the work that he is asking us to do in our own lives. And that work can be painful. It can be hard. Sometimes it can hurt others. 
but it is necessary to receive the fullness of God, to receive the promised land, the kingdom of heaven. Everyone has goals and dreams here. Think of it right now. What are your dreams? What are your goals? When it comes to a job, in order to get a promotion or get a raise, you have to do the work. When it comes to sports or music, in order to achieve the highest level of success, the work is necessary. You can't just sit back and say, you know what? I'm just going to rely on all my natural ability. I'm just going to rely that, you know what? If God wants me to do this, I'm going to be able to do it. That may be true in some circumstances. But in my own life, I've always looked that God is going to come halfway and I need to come the other half. Because if I'm in relationship with God, it can't be him constantly giving and me taking. But it has to be me giving up stuff in my life. And as I give up stuff in my life, and he takes me and uses me, I'm going to receive from him. Oftentimes, the greatest lie the enemy will feed us in these times is that we lack the capacity to complete the work. But here's the thing. Our capacity does not limit us. Rather, our willingness to, rather, our willingness to take responsibility under his authority dictates us. Our capacity doesn't hold us back from the kingdom of God. Because if we relied just on our capacity, we'd be in a losing battle. Because we cannot perceive what the kingdom of heaven looks like. We, can, we can't fully perceive that a man would come and give up his life for us when he lived a perfect life. Like, we know that, but in some regards, we can't actually fully understand what that would feel like. And then when it comes to what we already know, if we just focus on what we already know, we lack a belief in the impossible. And I don't know about you, but I believe I serve a God of the impossible. That can go beyond my understanding. That discerns my thoughts and knows the words that are coming out of my mouth. That knows the content of my heart better than I do. I always find it funny because sometimes people will say, well, God knows my heart. And it's then I really want to say, oh, yes, he does. Hopefully you know your heart just as well as God. So if you don't put the work in, then can you realistically win the fight? 
can you realistically win the battle? I love hip-hop. I think it speaks to culture so well today. And there's a Christian artist, NF, and he says in one of his songs, he says, the mind is a powerful place. What you feed it can affect you in a powerful way. When we're doing the work, oftentimes the work, part of the work, is what we're taking in. If we're taking in scripture, we're going to breed and breathe scripture. We're going to breathe truth. But if we're taking in other things that are speaking against God, that are not the heart of God, and that's our constant source, then can we really expect to win a battle? We're fighting an uphill battle where we can't go uphill because we'll always keep falling back. So when we fill our lives with prayer and scripture, we start to become victorious in our own battle or someone else's battle. It's in this time we feel encouraged and we see hope. That we wouldn't, we wouldn't hold back, but we'd be encouraged to go forward. Moses has his hands raised to the heavens with the staff of God in his hand. That's just not a regular staff. That staff alone is encouragement in itself. Because that's the very staff that Moses threw down in front of Pharaoh that turned to a snake. It's the very staff that Moses put out when the Red Sea parted. It's the staff that Moses tapped the rock with that get, pour, poured out water. So when the Israelites see this staff in the air, they are reminded of what God has let them out, led them out of, and that what He and that He will lead them through. Psalm twenty-three, verse four. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I find that verse so profound. Because when you, when you bring it back to this passage that we're on, the Israelites were walking through a valley of the shadow of death. They were going to war. People were going to die. But they feared no evil because they knew God was with them. You see, this gives us such a great sense of affirmation. To know that we fight the battle, not alone, but that Christ is fighting with us and that he has gone before us. Because he is our advocate in heaven. God not only provides encouragement to the Israelites, but as well for Moses. As Moses' hands are raised to the heavens, he has, two fr he has community beside him. He has Ben and he has Aaron and her. 
And as he grows weary, as he grows tired in the fight, Aaron and her are there to lift up his hands and provide him a rock to sit on. Because they believe in him, because they have seen what he has done already and what God will continually do through him. In order to win a spiritual war, in order to overcome a battle, you need to be willing to do it in community. We, that we would find encouragement through community because we are better together. And through engaging in a spiritual battle and overcoming, we are called to use it for empowered testimony and fulfilled promise. After the war is over, God tells Moses to write down what he has done and what will be done. That, God that, was, that the God that was with them as they triumphed over Amalek that day, and Amalek would be fully destroyed as later carried out in the book of Samuel, partly by Saul and fully by David. We are to do the same. To what, echo what Christ has done and has promised us in our lives, and to know that that will be fulfilled in his time. Because for he who sustained you in the desert will fulfill you in the promised land. So what spiritual war are you fighting today? What's a constant battle in your life? We all have them. Maybe it's one you have yet to acknowledge. Maybe it's one you're trying to fight daily, but you just feel like you go two days and then that battle just takes you down again. You go two months, that battle just comes back up and takes you down again. It might be a physical battle. It might be a psychological battle. It might be a spiritual battle. What are you doing to engage? I encourage you to have community in your life, have people in your life that engage with you. Have an Aaron, have a her. I have those people in my life. I have a group of five guys that I know that I can call up at any time and we will pray. And I, it's not a two minute prayer, we pray for each other and we engage. That as I grow tired and weary in myself, that I know I have people I can rely on that are going to lift my hands to the heavens and set my eyes on the Father above because he's already victorious. If you have a battle today, I pray and I intercede on your behalf. That maybe the battle might be not, the battle might be won today, but victory comes tomorrow. And every battle you win is ever is always a step closer to the Father. And that not only are the people around you interceding and believing on your behalf, but the Father, that Christ Himself, the Son of Man, is interceding on your behalf, and He's knowing, He's believing, and He's knowing 
that you are purposed for his kingdom. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.